Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners, and welcome to your January donor pick episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me for this conversation about a Pixar classic is my co-host, Coles. Hello, everybody. For this month's donor pick, we gave our patrons the choice of three Pete Doctor films so that we could continue celebrating the director after he brought us Pixar's latest hit, Soul. And this film, in many ways, is similar to that one. It's a sort of surprising, honestly, that it's taken us this long to cover Inside Out because it is a movie about feelings, quite literally, which is pretty on brand for us here. And so, Coles, we are just going to get right into this. We're going to get started with our one-word takeaways, as we usually do. What have you got for this one, brother? Emotions. This is pretty much what the film is about. We are seeing this film from the perspective of an 11-year-old named Riley, and she is starting to grow up. She started. She has passed from the innocence of childhood, where everything is peachy clean, and you know we don't really know about the ugliness of the world. But she's starting to get to that age where she's starting to learn how emotions shape and shape her perception of what we see in the world. She's starting to understand what total sadness can be like. She understands what loss is. In the beginning of the film, we see that she moves away from her hometown that she's been accustomed to ever since she was born, and how she comes to realize that these new changes, they're very overwhelming for her. We see her go to a new school and she's finding it hard to fit in. And for me, Inside Out and Soul are definitely connected in a sense where we are seeing the neurological processes of what humans go through and how we are seeing the world and how that's impacting our interpersonal relationships, how it's impacting our personality, how it impacts what we think about our memories, how it impacts what eventually what lessons we should take away from understanding how the mind works. You know, it's funny, Pete Doctor said that the inspiration for this film came from seeing his daughter growing up. He started he realized that his daughter was no longer innocent anymore. His daughter behavior was starting to change. She started to, you know, become more independent. And while as a parent, which Aaron you understand you know, seeing your child grow up, especially with the way time flies, is very, it's very humbling. It just lets you know that um, we are all complex human beings; that we are shaped by what, by the memories we have. Us as film critics, I'm pretty sure that the reason why we came to love films is because we had a great memory about it, and there were positive emotions attached to that. You know, whether it was seeing. For me, seeing a film like Pulp Fiction or seeing something like Raiders of the Lost Ark, that shaped my understanding of what I liked in the world, which was film. And it's guided me now to this position that I'm in with you. And this film feels like the most adult Pixar film I've seen. This is more adult than what Soul was. And Soul was very adult. But I feel that this film does does a little bit more stronger lifting with its themes. Like... It has something for the kids, especially with the personification, which you would talk about, about the emotions in the brain. And we're seeing these bright colors and these fantastical situations and these whimsical characters. And that's good for the kids. But when you're looking for, looking at this film from my viewpoint, I see 
I see like how my brains works. I see how it was for me when it was grow when I was growing up, when I was coming to understand, you know, things like fear, things like anger, things like joy, things like sadness, and how not to let that like control me, how to not let emotions control me, and how to use emotions to my advantage. We'll get into more later about the nuance of that, but this film is one of the most mature animation works I've seen in my lifetime. And I mean, Pete Doctor, he's, he's the man. Yeah. Yeah. He really, he definitely <laughs> is. I, I think he's hitting them out of the park. I mean, over and over and over again, and it's just getting stronger and stronger as he goes. So yeah, my one word takeaway is personification. When I watched it this most recent time, I was thinking a lot about that meme, the now famous meme, going through Pixar films, talking about how each proceeding film is such and such with feelings. So it's like, what if cars had feelings? What if bugs had feelings? What if robots had feelings? What if toys had feelings? What if fish had feelings? And all leads up to Inside Out, where they say, what if feelings had feelings, right? And it's this hilarious kind of idea. And... For me, that personification of the characters and giving them personalities that match largely the emotion that they are representing, it helps us relate and see our own emotions in a way that we absolutely cannot otherwise. So we only think of emotions in a very abstract way because it's a feeling, right? It's a, a thing that just results in a way and a mood and in the, the mindset, the, the place that our brain takes us. But it's hard to like visualize those things. We can visualize the way we act when we have a certain emotion. And so what they did is they, they took that concept and then they put that into a character and made that into a personality. And I think that it is just absolutely brilliant because it lets us sit back and look at those emotions and how they can connect to one another in a way that we just simply, we don't do. We don't. We, we very much think, um, in terms of one feeling at a time for the most part. And when you see them, working together and going through journey together and kind of changing and learning from each other, man, it really, it's, it's an incredible piece of therapy work. It, it really is. Like I was watching a video about this from some people on YouTube who do cinematic therapy episodes. And he was saying how this is a movie that he goes back to over and over and over and uses in his conversations with parents uh, specifically, but with adults and kids of trying to help them understand their emotions. And so we get this beautifully told story that is so relatable with a child having to move, which many, many people go through in their lives. And this representation of feelings, and it manages to go through the gamut of all of those feelings um, while also being a lot of fun along the way. Well, we are going to get into spoilers now, so if you haven't seen Inside Out, I don't know where you've been for the last several years, because that's just absolutely crazy. But it's streaming on Disney Plus now, so if you have Disney Plus and you haven't seen it, you have every opportunity to go watch it or to revisit it if you haven't seen it lately. Otherwise, just know we are going to talk full spoilers, so you've been warned. 
Well, the movie opens with voiceover dialogue from Joy, and she says, Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? And it proceeds to give us one of the most interesting looks at emotional maturation that has really ever been put to film. And so I wanted to ask you about emotion. So this perfect kind of follow-up to your one-word takeaway um, to go into this right away, and that is, do you feel like... Do you feel it's interesting now in this episode to use those words, you know, talking about this movie, but like, how does the movie help us understand our emotions better for you? Because, you know, or those of others, how does it help us to see others emotions in a way that maybe we can put into a visualization and, and kind of then maybe be more empathetic or maybe change the way we interact with a person because of that. Um, I think, that children tend to experience emotions in black and white in very singular ways. It's either this or that. It's not both things. And as Riley is growing up, she starts to experience multiple emotions at the same time, which is kind of what we do as adults. And I mean, I think of like happy tears, right? Is something that you're going to have emotion of joy, but also an emotion of sadness. And so how did you feel about the film translating these concepts of emotions? Well, I'll give a prefix before my answer so I don't give people the wrong idea. Inside Out does deal with emotions, but it's not something like a full spectrum look at emotions. It does The beauty of the film is that it under, helps us understand these lessons in a simplified manner. You know, it, it doesn't have plenty of textbook jargon and it doesn't try to go over your head with how smart it sounds it gives you the message in a family friendly and also very understanding kind of manner so if you're expecting for this film to be of the full bible on what emotions are then you're sadly mistaken i would say go and go to your nearest library and pick up a psychology textbook but this film handles emotions so well because it shows us right inside the brain it shows how these emotions they coincide with each other. It's, there was a quote in the film where fear, when when joy and sadness are out of the headquarters and fear, anger, and disgust are left, fear becomes overwhelmed you know, by seeing something that Riley sees and he's finding it hard for him to do his job. And so he screams out, I think I'm going to quit. And then disgust looks at him like, emotions can't quit, genius. You know, no matter how much someone can try to run away from how they feel, you can't run away from your emotions. They're there. That's what makes you human. If you didn't have any emotions, you would be a boring slog. I mean, it's it goes back to how we shouldn't let one emotion control us. You know, we can't always be happy all the time because then you wouldn't know what to look for as far as fear. You wouldn't have anything that would make you sad and understand the feeling of loss. But also, on the flip side, you can't be sad all the time either because then that would make you just introverted staying in the house all the time not willing to communicate with anybody and it would damage you because loneliness kills more people than smoking does it's it's a it's a scientific fact you know pete doctor did a good job of getting scientists to come and do some um some counseling on the film to help him get this story right because it took him five years to write and make this film. He said it's one, it's probably the hardest time he's ever had creating and crafting a story. The scientists wanted him to put all 27 of the emotions we have, but Pete Darter's like, well, 
I mean, I'm making an animated film, and, you know, a lot of kids no. are going to see this in its short attention spans. <laughs> Let me just get five. Let me get five of the biggest ones. And so we get joy, fear, anger, sadness, and disgust. And throughout the whole film, we see as Riley experience, experience these, but it's not, it's in a natural, organic manner. Like, once Joy says in the beginning of the film, my goal is to always make sure that Riley has an end of the happy day. Like, it doesn't have to be a full happy day because, like I said before, it doesn't make sense to always be happy all the time. There is room for anger, fear, and sadness. They can be helped, they can be used to your advantage at, cer- at certain points. And our connecting points deals with how these emotions come together and they can meld and actually work for the benefit of Riley herself. You know, we see that Riley is growing up she's starting to have she's starting to have these thoughts in her head she's starting to think of things like abstract like there's a funny scene when um bean bong and joy and sadness are trying to make it to the train of thought and they go through this portal which is like a caution keep out zone where it's like full of abstract thought and the the guy who's guarding says hmm the next abstract thought loneliness uh, i know what it was like for me to understand what it was like to feel alone or what it was like to have a friend who betrays you, or what it was like to feel anger. And when you're gro- when you're at somebody like Riley's age, it could be it could be scary to see that. It could be scary to see yourself as as getting so mad that veins start to pop out of your head. Or it could be kind of disheartening to see something that makes you sad and cry. Because as a young kid, our brains are not fully emotionally developed to see that it's not the end of the world if someone breaks up with you. You know, it's not the end of a world if you don't get your way for a certain thing. But that's how it is because we're not fully mature and understanding of how the world works. But Riley is getting a taste of that. And the film, you know, it does a very good job of putting her in the real scenario of her moving away from her hometown. I mean, I knew what it was like for me growing up and leaving from Georgia to move here to Washington. And I had those same feelings as Riley. I was homesick. I was missing my friends. I was missing my family. There were even times where I felt like I wanted to do like Riley and run away and go back, you know, but you evolve, you know, you come to understand that things happen for a reason and that we can't control how things work. And we see that our memories and the events of our life shape us and give us the character and the personality, which goes to the personality islands we see in the film. I thought of myself i think of myself as a goofball i think of myself as an intellectual um someone who prides himself on family and friends and that was a great viewpoint into not just mental health but also the way mental illness works Mm -hmm. so for me again i mean this film is just rich in subtext and it does everything right it was it made sure to get everything right not just trying to tell a story to entertain children but to also translate a message that could affect even the adults in the room and to make the adults like after the film have a conversation with their children about what it's like growing up, what it's like to have emotions and how to understand them. Yeah. We talked about that with soul a few weeks ago too. And I think that that's a quality of most Pixar films, the best Pixar films that, you know, some Disney movies don't always or haven't always hit on. There are, princess movies in disney's world that are fairy tales and you know they're very cut and dried they're hero stories and save the day and 
we dance off into the end of the night and it's just a matter of getting to experience this in this story of you know a scary journey and then something happening that is awesome in the end and pixar does raise these questions that we can have conversations with each other or with our kids or on a podcast about in a much deeper way and i love the personification as i mentioned because for me i don't always think about my emotions as independent emotions and i and this movie kind of refocuses me to do that for a period of time after I watch it. And I know kids don't. So for if, if I'm not even doing it, they're doing it even less. But it helps me recognize, you know, when we're doing the introductions, it sort of gives you a real quick snapshot of each one and kind of an idea of what they're there to do in a very, very basic idea. And, you know, joy is the first emotion that Riley experiences and then it jokingly is like for 33 seconds until sadness arrived when she cried, right? As a baby. And then we learn that fear is really good at keeping Riley safe. That, and, and so fear right away is framed in a positive manner instead of normally we would be like, we don't want to feel fear, you know, um, unless you're a horror movie fan, in which case you understand the benefit of being afraid. Disgust, it says, keeps Riley from being poisoned physically and socially. Right. And disgust, you would think of as a very negative emotion. And again, the movie shows us that these things can have a positive effect because it's about this balance. It's about them all playing a role in the whole person. Anger cares very deeply about things being fair and wanting to make sure that Riley gets what Riley deserves and what, what Riley should get, essentially. And then they make a joke about they're not sure what. What sadness does, which is hilarious, of course. And the whole movie is about is them trying to kind of learn what sadness is and what the important they don't they're not trying to, but they end up learning what sadness is. And I think that it can be very helpful for us because I don't know that we always understand the importance of sadness. And you and I um have interacted with a colleague on his podcast before. You've done some work with him quite a few times. And his whole podcast, his whole brand is about mental health in movies and this understanding that sadness plays a part in your mental health. Like it's an important factor and it's okay. And Joy at the start of the movie is almost like a toxic positivity. She shows us this character that is so obsessed with being happy. That can't work, my friend. Like, she sees herself as the goal and that if she's not number one, then something needs to be fixed. And what this movie helps me see by watching characters be these emotions is just that you can't do that. Like you have, she has to come to peace with her other emotions or with her, essentially her team. Um, in order for the team to work well for the benefit of Riley and my emotions are the same way. And so I just, I love it because when you watch them go through these situations, you can so seriously sit back and think to yourself about a moment when you were afraid and you needed, you know, sadness or disgust to play a part in that. And I also think it's a really kind of a short period and it's one of the more humorous moments of the film. But when we get a quick look at the parents and that they have the same emotions, I really like that especially for kids, because you're showing kids that guess what? Your mom and dad have the same thing. They're grown up. 
And so they're react, but they're reacting so similarly to you. It kind of like draws a line between children and parents and lets everybody realize like, guess what guys, we're all acting from the same place. We all have the same emotions. They're just affecting us differently at different ages and different, you know, stages of our lives. And so I think it's, I think it's translated really well. Um, I, I love the visualization specifically in the end about the memories and I'll, maybe we'll talk about it more, but basically the, the visualization for me of how when jo- sadness touches a, a happy memory, it turns sad. And then ultimately joy and sadness forming this beautiful, bittersweet memory that is not sad and it's not happy. It's happy tears. It's happy, sad, right? And this understanding that it's okay for a memory to be multiple things. And it's okay for a memory to change, that that's part of growth. And it really, really just expertly kind of shows you all of that in a way that I think kids will grasp this conceptually without knowing that they're getting it. And I think that's what Pixar does so well, is the kids don't understand it necessarily. Like, you could sit them down, but... A kid could come back to you and be like, I can relate to this aspect of what happened to this character because once upon a time I lost a toy, but then I realized that I remember that toy and it makes me happy. You know, it's something real simple, but essentially they're understanding what they're seeing visualized. Yeah, it, it is. It's pretty incredible. Um, you mentioned that he chose only five emotions which i'm really happy about because i can't imagine like 27 oh my gosh that's just insane um did you have a favorite depiction of one of the emotions like which did any of them like really resonate with you strongly of like hey this is something that i think would be this is my guy or this is my girl um this is how i react um to situations i would say but this is mostly just the past me. I would say that the anger one was my favorite only because of the phony moments it delivered and because it made me think back to moments where I was full of anger and I can sit back now and laugh at myself. You know, sometimes, you know, what they say about anger is that anger kind of floods your brain and it makes you do irrational things. You know, it makes you not have good judgment. You know, they always tell you that if you're mad about something, like you need to go somewhere Take a woo-saw, go into a corner, breathe to yourself, meditate, do whatever you need to do to calm yourself down so you don't do anything stupid. That's what my parents always taught me when I was a kid. They was like, whatever you do, when you make a choice, do not make a choice angry. And the same thing also goes for our relationships because this film also deals with the relationships between each other. There's a scene in the film where we see that Riley is bucking against her parents where she's talking back against him. And and it's a funny scene because we see the way that the mom and dad are reacting to it with their own headquarters in their head. But we're seeing a child learning to rebel, not exactly learning to rebel. I would say she's getting the feeling of that independence. You know, she's starting to see that maybe, maybe let me try this and see if I can get away with it. But she's not understanding that she does. She's not able to control her emotions. She, she hasn't learned that lesson yet. And, Sometimes it takes a few hard lessons for you to learn that you can't let emotions guide your thinking. You can let them rationalize it 
especially when using joy and sometimes sadness to understand the ramifications of a decision. But when it comes to things like fear and anger and distrust, there's a place for them. I mean, anger, if we didn't have the thing of anger, I mean, sometimes when I was in high school, when I played on the soccer team, I would use anger in a constructive way. I would be, okay, you know what? Anybody who's on this field with me, they're not my friend right now. You know, I'm going at all of them. But it was never in a sense of me wanting to commit violence or anything, but just using that boost of kind of prideful ego and a little bit of malice to get the job done. You know, when it comes to sports, because sports is competitive. But when you let it consume you and turn you, then you can have people who are like road ragers. You know, here in Washington, I always complain all the time about how all bad the, the driving time. is. Oh, man, so bad. <laughs> and I used to be one of those people. I used to be the person, like, if you cut off in front of me or if you did something that was a slight on the road, I would beat my horn at you and maybe even try to follow you home. But over time, I, lear I learned after a situation I had on the road where I had a confrontation with somebody, not physical, physical confrontation, but mostly just a tense situation, I learned that you know, maybe it's best for me to learn how to become more rational, to become more calm, to not let, you know, a slight or a annoyance control my day. Because there's a quote that says that it says that if you allow somebody to control your emotions, then they control you. And I wasn't in the business of letting anybody control me. So I had to learn how to settle down. And now when I see somebody who cuts me off on the road and beats my horn, in my mind, I want to do something to respond back, but I understand it's not going to make me feel any better. And it could get me arrested, could be get me in a car accident, or it could antagonize the person who did the act against me and let them continue on with their bad behavior. And this film with Riley, when we see towards the end, we come to understand that all these emotions have a purpose, but they have to be used like moderation. You know, it, it can't be something that you can just rely on just joy all the time or you can't rely on sadness all the time because life is fleeting. There's a lot of things that will happen in our life. I mean, truthfully, if anyone hasn't heard this, life isn't a happy ever after. I mean, there are good times and there are bad times, but it's about how you approach it with your attitude. How do you take it into your brain and how do you rationalize it? Is it going to be like, am I going to let this affect me or change me? Or am I going to continue being who I'm being and be comfortable with myself and go on about my day? Oh man, <laughs> so much good stuff you're saying right now. Yeah, I, you're so right. You're absolutely right. And it's, it's amazing to me that we can pull that out of a kid's film, right? Like that's what, or as we've started to say, a family film when we are talking about Pixar, they're not kids films, they're family films. <laughs> um, and yeah, I relate hardcore to anger for one, you know, because Anger is in this movie very much about fairness and I too have a streak in me that is a little bit um, hardcore on the fairness side. I want equity for everything, uh, maybe too much at times. Um, there are things in life that I think equity is absolutely something should be fought for tooth and nail. And there are other things that probably need to just chill a little bit on. And I don't get mad at people. But I get mad at like situations, right? And so, and I like that about anger in this movie. Anger never gets upset at other emotions. We typically think of anger as being mad at 
a person, like a road rage even, right? Like you're mad at a another human being or another personified thing. But in this, it's anger gets mad at situations, which I just think is a much, such a cool way to like focus that and show that emotion. Um, and, and that's how I feel. Like it might be me getting frustrated at what I'm being asked to do at work or something. And I just, the visualization of anger, there's a reason he's the only pop Funko pop figure. I have like well over a hundred of them and he's the only one from inside out. I have because I wanted the one with his little head exploding because that head exploding emotion, that, that, that visualization of that is just something I resonate with big time. I can feel my head getting hot and my body wanting to just shoot fire, right? And and I know we've all experienced that. And it's just such a great way to like show it. And there's an awesome moment in the end of the film or toward the end of the film where disgust uses anger's getting upset in order to benefit the team and to benefit Riley. It's awesome, awesome scene because Joy comes flying in. And she does the classic movie thing where you smack up against the window like a bug and starts to like slide down and they got to cut that window open and disgust gets anger riled up so that she'll, he'll blow his top and then uses his head to like cut the window open. And it's funny and it's like cool to see happen, but you think about like how your emotions work together. And, and I love that because I, I feel like that's me. The other one is sadness. Um, I'm not an eternally fun guy, so I don't go out and bounce around and, you know, get dressed up and costumes and dance throughout the day. And like, I don't just go around happy. Okay. Like I'm, I'm a general, I'm a, I'm a nice guy. I'm a happy guy, but I'm not, I don't put forth this demeanor of, you know, bouncy joy like that character in the movie does. And a lot of times I can fall into sadness and and I don't even wouldn't even go as far as like saying depression and I I think that's a a great thing to delineate between the movie too is sadness is not depression now depression does kind of get touched on in the film I'll get up to that in a little bit but like sadness the emotion is different and there's a point where joy says got to find the fun and sadness doesn't have the ability to find the fun she likes the rain and she says, crying helps me slow down and obsess over life's problems. And listen, man, if I don't do that too much, I often slow down and really hone in on life's problems for a little bit. And of course, you learn over time. And what this movie shows you is that that's not an entirely negative thing. You don't want to live your life with just sadness right? It has to be mixed in with these other emotions. That's why we have a team at that console making Riley tick. It's not just sadness by herself. That would not be a good life. But because sadness has joy and because sadness has these other emotions, we can go back and forth between them in a balanced way and they all have their roles to play in our life. And so I just really do resonate with sadness in this movie as well because there's times when man people try to get me to be happy and honest to god like going to work every morning there is like a two-hour period where you just don't come talk to me like you shouldn't you really shouldn't and it's not necessarily even about having coffee because i've already had one cup by then it's just i need like alone time i need space 
And so when people walk in at like 6.30 in the morning, good morning, Aaron, how you doing? And they're expecting me to like be chipper. I'm like, hey, and I just type, 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 you know, or morning, type, 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 type. And I've had people kind of like get bothered by that. But I'm like, you have to understand, like, everyone is not going to be that eternally joyful person at all times. And so we we present that differently, you know, at different moments in our life. And I think these personifications of those characters really help me to just see that in my own self. Like I can even be going through my day and if I start to get upset, I can like feel like I'm looking at myself as anger, you know, and that character. And I, and I just kind of am able to step back from it. And so, yeah, I like those a lot. The movie has another cool depiction of, well, there's the personality islands that you mentioned, which are really fun and interesting. Just this concept that our interests essentially have these little pieces of our brain to them. Um, I probably have way too many tiny little islands in my life, in my head. Uh, I could use with some bigger ones. The other one is the cool concept of the memories being these little balls and you have these core memories, right? That you don't want to be changed because these are the ones that are like going to kind of follow you through your entire life. You, it, it has a, a really neat way of showing this memory dump where things go to get forgotten, a way to depict how that happens. We, we have things like short-term memory. It has a, a place in this world in your head of short-term memory storage. And then sometimes they're going to get discarded into the memory dump, which for me feels like it's happening every about 30 seconds. Uh, or you have every once in a while the long-term memory, right? You get to pick and choose which ones are going to stick with you forever. And I just wondered, like, how did that play for you as far as the the way it shows us memories and the way that emotions have the ability like sadness touching one to change our core memories. For me, memories are the thing that create us. They're the thing that give us those personality islands. Like we, I talked about earlier in the um, opening salvo where I talked about how us being film lovers was probably generated by a great memory we had as a child. Or wherever it could have been when we had that breakthrough where we understood, like, yes, this is what I want to do. I want to talk about film. You know, I, I, I want to watch every film that I can. And I feel that for me, memories, they do a lot of things. I mean, for one, they could teach us a lesson. You know, um, for instance, Riley may, and this is me trying to probably pitch it inside out too, but Riley maybe could in the future see this experience of her moving away and running away. She'll now understand what it's like to be away from a place that's comfortable and it could probably make it even more comfortable with doing it with being able to travel to different places maybe moving out of state to a college and understanding that yes i may miss my family but i'm strong enough to be able to take this life on by myself if i need be so she has that independence she has that strength to where she won't falter when things get hard um i know for me Memories have helped to inspire me. They've helped me to learn different things. They've helped me to reflect back on maybe things that are embarrassing or things, times that I wish I was a better person. You know, they can also um, help you to 
not make the same mistakes over and over again. I mean, I, I see memories as a way to teach myself how the world works. It, it also helps me to remember um, family, you know, remember all the, the great times I've had in the past. I mean, it's we see it in pop culture now that nostalgia runs everything. You know, if you we see these films now that are going with an 80s aesthetic or a 90s aesthetic aesthetic or even something like with an old school aesthetic. You know, nostalgia is something that is permanent in our pop culture because for us, it's almost like a drug. We feel like that those are simpler times. We feel that now the present time is is so hard and it's like things are so different and time is passing by. So in a way, we take a vacation in our own minds through our memories you know, to um, feel good about ourselves, to maybe get ourselves a pat on the back, to maybe understand that, hey, you know, I was once in a bad place, but now I can get out of it if I want to. We can see that how the disappearance of memories for Riley, it affects her mental health. Now, with no memories to lean back on or happy or memories that are mostly happy, Riley is now walking around with her head down. She's mostly um, showing disgust fear and anger because she doesn't have the joy that came with those memories and not even the sadness either you know the one thing about this film that it does very well is that it doesn't paint out sadness to be a bad thing and i think you've already have touched on that before but i wanted to get more in depth to it sadness is very beneficial when it's used right like sadness is something that can help us to understand what it means to lose something and losing something can also help us understand that life is is precious. You know, we have to we have to appreciate everything that we have right now because something can be lost. You know, sadness can help us to go through the tough times in life. And it's okay to be sad. The the one thing that this film touches on that many people might miss is that the whole idea of this toxic po- toxic positivity, I wouldn't say toxic, but just an overwhelming urge for people to have like hey like you just need to think positive about everything you need to smile all the time like if you let fear and anger if you let fear and anger come into your life then you're weak and i grew up hearing that same message i grew up hearing that if you cried as a man then you were weak you were a girl you weren't a man if you did that and it's a harmful message it's very harmful to not let somebody be in touch with their with touch with their emotions now of course i love happiness more than the next man i love being happy I mean, happiness, it helps me have more energy in the day. I work better at my job. I'm able to treat my girlfriend and my friends and people around me more better. I'm able to see things in a better light so I can be inspired to do more things. Happiness has its place. But when it comes to a point where we're taking happiness over the other emotions, just because we don't like feeling fear doesn't mean it's not beneficial. Just because it means we don't like being disgusted, disgusted can help us survive. You know, it. It's like if somebody came to a um, pool of radioactive waste and if they're always just thinking about joy and happiness, they're going to walk right into that radioactive waste and turn into Godzilla or turn into the Hulk. You know, disgust helps us keep us away from going into radioactive waste. Disgust, these emotions help keep us in check when they're used right. They're learning tools and memories are the same thing, in my opinion. They can be advantageous to us when we can look back and examine ourselves and be able to apply some new lessons to our life. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think that the way that we briefly said earlier, you know, the fact that these memories can change, that 
you can have a happy memory that turns sad. And, you know, Joy is extremely scared because she doesn't want sadness to touch a core memory and change that memory to a sad one forever. And I think of something like, honestly, like my mom passing away. You know, when I think of my mom, there are so many happy memories that I have of us, but there's a sadness to them now that is because I can't make new ones and they're in the past, right? And so it's important to show that to kids and visualize that even for adults, that everything is not going to just be one or the other, that there is a reason we have multiple emotions and the way that they affect our memories. And so I do like that. And I like that the core memories can affect the islands of personality, like the way that the whole system is built in the way that your emotions work, I think is pretty brilliant. There's that scene where Riley is going to play hockey in San Francisco for the first time. Her core memory got messed with. And now she's not thinking about her happy memories of hockey. She's thinking about it being sad because she's not back in Minnesota anymore. And Hockey Island goes down. And what we see is that translate into Riley being unable to perform on the ice in the way that she normally would. And so she throws a tantrum um, and she gets upset. And I think that that is a great way to like show us on screen how the lens you're viewing your memories through, the emotion that you're viewing them through at the time can affect how you act on them in the present. Because if Riley was remembering that event with happiness, if it was Joy who had touched it, then she would perform in a better way. And it really does like just give you a great way to like think about these things in your own life. The other one is long-term memory. I like where the triple dent gum song, I thought that cracked me up because that is a great symbolization of how a memory can get stuck in your head and play over and over and over and never be gone. And and it's completely useless. There's no actual long-term value to this memory, but they still have it there over other more like meaningful ones in her life because they can't get the stupid song out of their head. And so that was a really cool little nod, I think, to the way that a song can get stuck in our head all the flipping time. No, I also like that they showed in um before that scene comes up where they're showing the um the guys who are coming around who erased the sucking them up through a vacuum. Yeah. And the guy's like, Okay, let's go ahead and go through all these phone numbers. It's like, what? Why are you erasing these phone numbers? It's like, because they have a phone already. They don't need it. And so that was talking to me because for the longest time, for four years, I did not know my girlfriend's phone number by memory. Like, she would ask me on the dot, hey, do you know my phone number? I was like, it's in the phone. Why do I need to know? It wasn't until this year that I took it seriously to heart to memorize my girl's phone number. It's funny because we also see that they're taking away knowledge of most of the U.S. presidents. It's like you gain this knowledge over time and through you're constantly cleaning out your memory and getting rid of useless information. And sometimes you keep a hold to useless information because there's a special significance to it. Yeah, that's a great point that you're making about like the way that our brain chooses 
what to keep and what not to keep. And, and some of this, I think, you know, what the movie is showing us is it's not necessarily a conscious thought. It, there's some subconscious decision making going on, our emotions and things in the background that are, that are happening. It's just kind of visualizing it for us so that we can think about it in a non abstract way. Um, I, I also just really like the depiction at the end of the con when Riley runs away and the console grays out and they're unable to run it. So they're doing everything they can. And Riley has essentially just completely and utterly shut down. And that to me is like depression, right? The con the control panel of your brain is broken. Your emotions are going haywire and you just aren't feeling anything at that point. And you can't just try harder <laughs> and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make it all go away, right? Again, going back to what our friend um, Josh Berkey talks about all the time on his podcast, that you need these emotions to interact with each other and you need to be able to accept the sadness that comes in your life in order to grow because ultimately there is love and joy that is only experienced relative to sadness like you you can't get to points of growth in your life if you don't go through points of grief and, and heartache and hard times right you, you literally cannot grow from that. And so what so many parents, you said this at the very beginning, like so, so many parents go into life. We want to just protect our kids. We want our kids to go through life being happy and never experience any other emotion. We just want them to be happy, but that doesn't create an actual adult that is a functioning adult. <laughs> what creates the functioning as adult is going through what Riley goes through coming out on the other side with that memory ball that is half blue and half yellow and understanding that that's bittersweet and that that has created something deeper in her and an ability to become a more well-rounded well human being because she's gone through this experience. Yeah, it's, it's the worst for me when I see cases of helicopter parenting where parents will do were doing the extreme to protect their children from all the dangers of the world. Like kids who are growing up without having TVs in their room because people think that the devil's in the TV. Or people who are not able to hang out with friends or they're not able to go anywhere and enjoy and understand what life throws at you because parents are afraid of their children getting hurt. And I'm coming to tell you, your kids are going to get hurt no matter what. I mean, there's going to be, like I said, Good and bad times are guaranteed in this life. You know, you, you can't have one without the other. And it's okay. It's okay for your child to get the, to get a scrape on their knee because they fell on the ground. It's okay for your child to, um, you know, sometimes, like, I'm not asking for them to get in trouble in school, but, you know, maybe get in trouble for mischievousness in school. It's all part of growing up. They, we, we don't know any better. We come with a blank slate and we're learning from what we take in each and every day. So, wouldn't it be best for, you know, for these helicopter parents or parents who are kind of controlling and over obsessive, it would be best for them just to let their kids be and to understand that, hey, you had to go through the same thing. So 
wouldn't it be best for to expose your kids to the reality of things instead of keeping them in the fake fantasy land? Yeah, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. And we get to see both. We get to see the fantasy land and we get to see how fun and kind of interesting and exciting that is. And we get to still land at the end in a place where we can go forward, hopefully, in our lives as adults and as kids and as families, like to be in a better position to understand our emotions together. Um, that's why I think it's great for people to watch this together, a family film and use it. I mean, you can use it. I, I know my ex-wife went through a period with our kids where she had them naming emotions. This is a therapy thing, I think. Um, but it's brilliant. And it, it would be like my son would get upset and he has a tendency to cry. He's just a very emotional young man. And especially if he did something quote unquote wrong, if he feels he has disappointed you, he like me or my ex-wife, he would get very upset. He would just start crying. And we were like, you know, name it, right? It, talk out your feelings. Tell us what you're experiencing. Explain why you're crying. Not just I'm upset, but like say what it is you're feeling. I'm feeling hurt because yada yada. I am feeling sad because this happened. And man, there is a power in naming it. And, and I think this movie can do that, can help you, can, you can, you know, younger kids can be like, I feel like that sadness character right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's brilliant for that. Real quick, because I keep mentioning Josh Berkey throughout this podcast, um, our friend with a mental health and film-focused podcast. It's called Victims and Villains. Listeners, I wanted to make sure I got that in and did not forget. So Victims and Villains, check out his podcast. He Every single episode, you know, he reviews movies, he writes reviews, but everything has uh, a focus, kind of like we do on feelings and emotions. He talks about mental health and how that affects things. I've been on episodes with him talking about marriage and marriage story. Coles has done quite a few episodes with him. So be sure and check out his show as well. I wanted to get that in. Last thing before connecting points, Coles, do you have any comments on the animation or music in this one particularly? Do you think it stood out? Did it make the world feel more alive than a normal animated movie or a different kind of animated movie? Did anything make it special for you? Well, for me, it is, I'm like a broken record when it comes to Pixar animation. I mean, they can throw anything in front of me and I'm just going to be in dazzle with it. And this film is another good example. I mean, I love the way that the emotions look, you know, especially the way that sadness looks in an all blue kind of like the way her hair is kind of laying down, the way she walks. I mean, the way that Joy sparkles, almost like Tinkerbell, the way disgust, like her color green reminds me of like a piece of spinach. You know, which as a kid, you know, me of throw up. Yes, <laughs> you know, it's something that it, it, she looks kind of sick. And then, um, anger. He's like this big. He's like this little red ball of fire. You know, he's always looking like he's ready to just fly off the handle. And fear. His eyes are all cuckoo and everything. And he's very timid and he's always suspicious and wary of, of things. So the animation does a very good job of fleshing out these animations and giving them their characteristics physically you know it's one thing to hear the voice acting cast like be able to display the emotions themselves but to have the animation and the drawing do it it's a very special treat and i watched this because i have uh, i have it on 4k and it looks spectacular it's amazing i would still give i would still give a nod to maybe soul you know over this from an animation perspective but inside out 
looks great. looks phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. I think that the the funny thing about Inside Out's animation for me is that every single time I watch this movie, I go through a brief pause in my brain where I'm like, is my screen fuzzy? Is there something wrong with my TV? Because there, there's like this hate, like not a hate. I don't even know how to describe it, but there's like a fuzziness to the characters. They're not, their texture is not perfectly crisp like you would see in a Toy Story, right? They're not porcelain type looking characters. They all just, they almost, almost feel like they could start to blend in. They, they look like fuzzy, like, like a fuzzy toy or something, like a stuffed animal kind of that's glowing. You mentioned that with one of them and it, it just, it's a, it's a really cool design uh, that I had never seen before. And I think, I don't know that it has any deep meaning the way that they're drawn, but it definitely makes them stand out and makes them look unique in the world of Pixar characters, which Pixar is very good at doing. They have these animated characters and all their different movies, they don't all look the same, right? And I think Disney, on the other side of that coin, a lot of times you could feel like you could just take one character, like from Aladdin, you could take Jasmine and put her in Beauty and the Beast. And yes, I know culturally she wouldn't fit, but like from an animation standpoint, they're the same thing right? They don't really look that different. Um, the way the characters are drawn, but if you take inside out emotions versus soul, you know, souls versus Wally, you know, versus the monsters from monsters, Inc. They all have a completely different texture to them uh, versus the toys from toy story. And I, and I love that about their animation. That's one of the, the best qualities of the studio. Well, it is connecting point time and we have the same one and I mean, come on, listeners, like, <laughs> duh, everybody knows what it is, at least in part, um, because we haven't even mentioned his name yet. That's because we didn't want to cry yet, people. We wanted to save it. So, Coles, why don't you get us started with um, our connecting point, and I'll jump in when you're done and add on anything that I've got to say. Once we get to the part of the film where Joy has ended up in the memory dump land with Bing Bong, which was Riley's imaginary friend from when she was a kid. She's kind of forgotten about him because she's grown up now and she's having some real friends in her life. But Bing Bong is still there and he's helping guide joy and sadness through Riley's mind in order to get back to headquarters. But they, but joy ends up leaving sadness behind because she wants Riley to be happy all the time. She's like, I'm sorry, but Riley needs to be happy all the time. And then she ends up deserting sadness, leaving her on her own to go with Bing Bong to get back to headquarters. The best moment of the scene, and it's one of the best scenes, it's one of my favorite scenes in Pixar history, is that Joy gets down and she picks up a core memory, and she sees that there is sadness on it, and she looks through it, and it's the memory of when Riley was playing for her hockey team, and she ended up missing the winning shot, and she's sitting on the tree, and she's crying, and it's sadness, for sure, I know what it's like to feel like when you're on a team and you don't exactly do what you think you need to do to help the team win, you feel bad about it. You feel very small in that moment. But the beauty of it is, is that that moment of sadness led to a moment of joy because we see that Riley's parents come up to the tree 
and they're talking to her and they're trying to like let her know it's going to be okay like hey we'll get them next time like it's okay to lose it's okay to lose we can't win all the time and they're giving her these encouraging messages we're not hearing what they're seeing but i'm kind of interpreting it that they're encouraging her because then the next we see is that riley is celebrating with her team and they're like hip hip parading her in the air and she's celebrating and it's happy memory joy while while we see riley throughout the whole film learn her lesson in this moment we see joy learn a lesson we see that joy learns that hey it's not all about you know riley being happy all the time you know i understand now that we have to work together as emotions we have we have a purpose to helping Riley navigate through life, and she sees that joy and sadness can come together in a in a core memory, and it's not a bad thing for sadness to be there because sadness gave way to her being able to experience joy, and that's the richness of humanity. You know, in our lowest moments, there's always still hope. There's always still a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, sadness is nothing to be afraid of. It's it's a terrible feeling. It's tough to go through. It's a it's you know, it feels like that things can't get better, but when you process it, when you take it in, and maybe you get some helpful advice and guidance from people around you, you come to take the beauty out of it. You know, you come to see the beauty in everything, and you come to cherish life and what it gives you. And for me, that whole sequence just, it sums up the film perfectly. Like, if, if there was a if there was a thing that I needed to do to show people why Inside Out is such an amazing film, I would point them right here to this whole scene right here and tell them to get the Kleenex ready because it's, it's very, very emotional. Just like we said, this whole film is based on emotions and it really tugs at your emotions. Yeah, very well said, man. And I co-sign all of that. I love that one snippet of what you just said. Sadness leads to joy. And there's so many aspects of our lives where that happens. And it's really hard to see it in the moment. It is really, really hard to do that. And I don't think we should ever expect to be able to do that in the moment either. But we have to be able to, when we step back, give ourselves the grace to understand that that was necessary and that we are growing from that, like we just talked about. And I agree, like this whole scene is so poignant and so sweet. And I think really captures the overall point of the movie, right? And that that's what we're trying to learn about Riley is that all these emotions are necessary. And this is where joy is learning the value of sadness, like up until now. And and what's brilliant about this whole sequence is that sadness isn't present. The actual personification of sadness, the character, it's not there. She's not there. It's just joy learning. And she's going through this with Bing Bong. And, you know, we haven't talked about Bing Bong, but Bing Bong is, in the beginning, this adorably cute creature that is an imaginary friend that we all grew up with imaginary friends of some kind. And this is Riley's. And he's got this whole backstory of Riley wanting to go with Bing Bong and his homemade rocket to the moon, right? He's going to take her to the moon. And now they're stuck down there. And... Joy has this great idea of like, you know, your rocket has been tossed into the memory dump. Why don't we get it and use it to escape? And so they go and they find the rocket and, you know, they start singing the Bing Bong song to kind of 
fuel the memory, which creates an energy that can propel them out of this memory dump. You're kind of trying to will. It's like it's it's like a feeling of trying to will a memory to not go away. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but like I know I have. There's been specifically in relationships I can think of in my life with people who are no longer in my life. Um, and there may have been something that was really important to me about that relationship. And I wanted, man, I wanted to hold on to that so hard, but it needed to go. And so there, and this is an idea, this is kind of a symbolism of like that fighting to like keep that memory. And so they're using that they're singing and it's, you know, powering up the rocket and they, they can't get, high enough because there's too much weight and bing bong's like let's try it one more time and i think even the very first time i remember seeing this you knew what was about to happen it's one of those things where the moment he says that to joy the the look on his face the calm in his voice symbol or you know signals that he's about to make a sacrifice and sure enough he gets her going they sing and they they do it as loud and as strong as they can, and he jumps off and gets Joy up there, and she realizes that he's not with her. And when she looks down at him, his words to her are so great, he says, you made it, go save Riley, take her to the moon for me. And he fades away, and it is absolutely just devastating to us. Because we don't want her to lose Bing Bong. But it's not that we don't want Riley to lose Bing Bong. And that's what's, I think, really incredible to me. It's not, it's Riley's imaginary friend. But why we are sad is because Joy is losing Bing Bong. And Joy has come to experience the necessity of someone else. She is no longer just about herself. And she's been in this kind of ruling pattern her entire existence where she runs the show and that it's all about that. She doesn't really need anybody else, but she has grown to care about him and he sacrifices himself for the betterment of her to, and for Riley. And I think she learns that, Hey, sometimes she's going to have to sacrifice for Riley too. And that there is that importance to grief and sadness. And so she, she learns all of that. And she learns that there are some things that we have to leave behind in order to grow. And that thing is bing bong and it sucks in the moment, but that doesn't take away from how incredible bing bong is and how great of a memory we can have about him, how, how, how important he was in the time, right? in our life. Um, and I think that we get to experience that over the course of just this hour and a half with learning about and meeting Bing Bong. We get to see his value in Riley's life because we get to experience it as if he was our own imaginary friend. And then we get to experience what it's like to lose that all over again while understanding that he doesn't need to be part of our life going forward because we're in a new, new phase and we're going to have new memories and new things to focus on. And so, yeah, it is awful. I never don't not cry. I always cry. I should just say, um, it, it can't help but get real misty when that whole sequence goes down, man. Well, that's all folks for this episode of feeling film. We appreciate you giving us a slice of time out of your day. And if you want to keep the conversation going or give us thoughts, find us in the awesome feeling film discussion, Facebook group, Aaron. Thanks for another great conversation. And we will talk soon. 
Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.